0: question is, was it necessary after November of last year? You'll be aware now from our news, top health officials agreed. MIQ was no longer justified for most people coming back to New Zealand. Back in November, Dr McElnay and Dr Bloomfield agreed the risk posed by people coming from overseas was no greater than that of catching covid from somebody already in the country, or being in the country. Uh, but it was three and a half months before we started to see MIQ begin to unwind. So that's where the 40,000 stays came from. To walk through this and uh, work out what exactly happened, the acting prime minister, Grant Robertson, is with us this morning at News Talk ZB. Good morning. Good morning, Tim. Do that for me, will you please? Walk us through when you first learned, when the Cabinet first learned we didn't really need MIQ.
1: So the advice came through from Dr. Bloomfield and Dr. McInnay, I think on the fifteenth of November that they had, you know, done the process that you've just worked through, we're considering that. It is important to note that in that advice they said that if there were to be a transition away from MIQ to, to self isolation, it would have to be very carefully managed. And the decision Dr. Bloomfield then made was to have the advice peer reviewed and, and this was all covered actually in affidavits that he made during some of the Cases that have been taken about MIQ, and he made the comment then that this was, you know, an irreversible decision, and he wanted to get it right. So he went away and got that advice peer reviewed by um, Dr. Tony Bakley and Dr. Philip Hill, who are. To, um public health experts we've been using in them different ways over the course of the last couple of years, they came right. back and said, look, if you are going to do this, it does have to be a careful transition. And then, you know, just over a week later, the Cabinet then made the announcement that, yes, we would be doing that in January of, of this year. As everyone then well knows, Omicron emerged uh, as a much greater threat to New Zealand, and the decision was taken to delay... Uh, that January um, you know, removal of MIQ to February, um, which I still think is the right decision. So ultimately, the advice was actually taken, uh, but it was done in a considered and careful way, which is exactly what was asked for. I think okay. what you've got here, Tim, is the dangers of lifting one piece of advice out of a string of advice, and also forgetting about the fact that Omicron arrived and we had to delay everything as a result of that.
0: All right, but these, uh, these ultimately, you know, these are your two top officials within the health ministry saying, yep, we're good to go, we can start to unwind. Yep, we went out and and sort of peer review. Were they not confident themselves? What was going on there?
1: Well, they wanted to make sure that with such a significant decision, given the important role that MIQ had played in protecting New Zealanders and and in saving lives, they knew they couldn't go back from that decision. And as we've often done, actually, throughout COVID, we sought the advice of a range of different people. Dr Hill and Dr Blatley came back and said, look, if you're going to do this, You've got to think carefully about the cumulative risk of of adding people coming across the border, you know is your testing regime up to it, is your health system up up to it, how are you going to protect vulnerable communities and so on, and also what happens if another variant arrives? All of that information was considered, and it's really important to remember the decision was taken to agree with them, but to do it over a timetable that ran through to January. Then Omicron arrived, and that timetable had to be pushed out to February. But ultimately, the decision was still taken to say, yes, we are going to transition away from MIQ, just as Dr. McLean and Dr. Bloomfield considered, just over a time frame that was slightly longer, perhaps, than they might have originally thought. So
0: that that initial advice back in November uh, was enough to convince Cabinet, yeah, OK, all right, we're with you, we back you.
1: Well, we had a Reconnecting New Zealanders plan, which we announced in August, which always said we were going to be relaxing things at the border, and the timeline of that was was laid out. When we got this advice, and bear in mind it was just over a week after we got it, the Cabinet then confirmed the time frame that we had. But everybody, I think, understands, as frustrating as MIQ might have been for people, it's played a really important role in protecting New Zealanders. And moving away from it was one that had to consider all of those matters that I just mentioned before. So, you know, I appreciate the fact that people reading one note out of context might think, hang on, what happened here? But actually, when you look at it, government ultimately did follow the advice, carefully managing a transition away from MIQ.
0: There's been a suggestion around that there was an effort to undermine, uh, in a a way, Dr. McElnay and Dr. Bloomfield. Is, Is that fair?
1: Far ah, from it. I mean, we have worked so closely with both of them over the course of this pandemic, and they, their job is to give us the best public health advice, or Dr McElnay's in particular, and Dr Bloomfield to take that advice and then, and then you know present it to Cabinet. That's what they did. But as I say, in court himself, in an affidavit, Dr Bloomfield explained the fact that he wanted that advice peer-reviewed because he knew that this was effectively an irreversible decision. Having got the advice peer-reviewed, He then presented that advice to their Minister Hipkins to Cabinet, and Cabinet took the decision that we would remove MIQ from January. Then Omicron arrived and the whole world changed. It's my note that some of the political parties raising concerns at the moment actually agreed with us when Omicron arrived. Had we moved quicker, we we would have had a significantly harder job in bringing MIQ back. So ultimately, I think the right decision was made. Uh, We continued to protect New Zealanders. Does that stop it being frustrating for people who had to go into MIQ? Of course not. But I think it was the right decision.
0: But that was 40,000 people... $3,000 or or whatever, uh, you know, 120 odd million bucks worth of fees uh, through the MIQ system, you can understand why people feel a bit aggrieved.
1: I can understand why people feel frustrated, but I'd ask people to take a step back and think actually, Omicron came along, the most transmissible variant of COVID 19 that we've seen. And I think most people at that point agreed that continuing MIQ while well, we got ourselves properly boosted, got those um, rates of up to 90% for the double VAX, was actually the right thing to do. I think most people concede that now. But at the time, we just wanted to make sure. Uh, And indeed, Dr. Bloomfield wanted to make sure that all of those issues I mentioned, the fact that we needed to have a testing regime in place, that we needed the health system to be ready to go, that we needed to plan to look after vulnerable communities, all of those things had to be considered. Therefore, it was a careful transition away from MIQ. It's exactly what we agreed to and it's exactly what we did, albeit delayed by a month and a half because of Omicron.
0: Well, So it's pure coincidence that each of them has decided to depart their job. (laughs)
1: <laughs> or no, I think you've heard from both of them about what that's about and what an extraordinary job they've done on behalf of New Zealanders. We worked closely with them, but it has been. You know, for both of them, the most stressful time of their career, I'm sure. And so, therefore, you know, I think we can acknowledge why this has happened.
0: What are you going to do if people challenge uh, the time they spent in MIQ, given the
1: That's information? Already happening. There's already court cases about that, and we'll await the outcome of those. But, you know, I continue to believe that MIQ did a significant job in keeping New Zealanders safe and in saving lives.
0: Can I just touch on one other matter that came up yesterday, and that being uh, Adrian or what he said at the IMF and your response to that? You you, you took his comment personally?
1: No, I didn't. Um, he was speaking to bit. You, responded, generally
0: about- you re- responded to it as though
1: you did. No, I was asked some questions. Uh, I think the headline that the New Zealand Herald used was wildly inaccurate, but that's not unusual. Uh, no, what I actually said was that, that um, Adrian Orr was making comments about uh, reserve banks in general to an international forum, and what he said was that monetary and fiscal policy have to work together, and that I agree with. I agree with Mr Orr, and you know we'll continue a balanced and targeted approach Um, to Mm. fiscal policy and support monetary policy.
0: And he, he was specifically talking about government spending at a time when you're preparing a budget with some spending in it.
1: Indeed, and as I say, I agree with him that that spending needs to be targeted. We've, you know, invested significantly in supporting New Zealanders through the pandemic through things like the wage subsidy scheme and the resurgent support payment. We've now made those um, payments, you know, much more targeted and, in fact, eliminated them. And you would have seen with the support we provided on the 1st of April that was very focused on low and middle income New Zealanders. So I think we're actually doing uh, the very thing that Mr. Wall is asking for.
0: Appreciate you giving us your time this morning. Grant Robertson, Acting Prime Minister at Newstalk ZB.